Linus Sebastian on Twitter. Linus, awesome. How will Apple justify the rumored x86 refresh of the Mac Pro? Over 370 videos, 42 million views, 301,000 subscribers. Thank you, sincerely, all of you for your ongoing support. Happy New Year, and I can't wait to see how far we get in 2022. Rod Gray from Patreon. And as always, supporters over at patreon.com slash Renee Ritchie, just get Q&A priority. So Rod Gray says, I'd love to see some more information on Apple's AR glasses, as in anything really. If they get it right, it'll be the same kind of effect that the Apple Watch had. And of course, Apple never comments on future products, although Tim Cook has commented on AR and VR, because as I explained in a recent video, those aren't really products to Apple. Those are technologies like LCDs or OLED displays. But I think if we look over the long arc of history or the recent arc of history, all of Apple's devices that they've been using since the introduction of AR kit to do sort of all the test bed activities, everything that includes layering information on top of the real world, then we'll get a pretty good idea of where they're headed. Now, because glasses are so light and they have to be so wearable, I think Apple's gonna have to stage up until they reach the capabilities of an iPhone or an iPad and maybe dependent on the iPhone at first, the way the Apple Watch was almost utterly dependent on the iPhone, including having App Logic run on the iPhone while the interface ran on the Apple Watch. But because you have that iPhone, they'll have a 5G connection, for example, and they'll be able to do things like show notifications and provide glanceable information. Everything you get from your Apple Watch, just by turning your wrist, you'll get on your Apple glasses without having to turn anything. It's just a complete step up in convenience. And then over time, that'll just get better and better. Ruben Flores from Patreon. Will Apple complete its chip transition before the end of 2020? And what does it mean for Mac Pro support? Tim Cook stated when they announced Apple Silicon at WWDC 2020, that it would be a two-year transition, which is the same thing Steve Jobs said back when he announced the Intel transition. Now, whether they interpret that as meaning two years from dub-dub, so that'll end, you know, everything has to be done by dub-dub of this year, June of 2022, or whether they're going to interpret it from the shipping of the first M1 Max, in other words, November of 2020, and everything has to be done by November of 2022, that gives them a little bit of wiggle room. But I think Apple is really intent on getting at least one version of every Mac ported over to Apple Silicon before the end of this year. Damien Men from Patreon. Should we expect something better than the M1 Pro and Max for the upcoming iMac Pro? And I think so, kinda, not really, but yes, in that I think the iMac uh, slash iMac Pro, whatever Apple marketing decides to call it, will be based on the M1 Pro and M1 Max chipsets, the ones that we just got with the MacBooks Pro. But because of the greater thermal envelope, the greater capacity, the desktop nature of the iMac, Apple will be able to go to something like a dual M1 Max. So instead of just going up from the M1 Pro to the M1 Max, there'll be a third stage, which will be that dual M1 Max. And then depending on how well Apple architects that dual die solution, you know how much overhead they manage to eliminate, you'll effectively get the power of two fully loaded M1 Maxes inside a MacBook Pro. And wow, seeing all these Pro Max for Pro Max, it's just... It's a lot of branding. Chris Atwood on Patreon. Which company would make the most sense for Apple to aqua hire next? Kraft to evolve notes, Roku to expand their streaming platform, something else that I'm forgetting. And I think Apple actually has to be careful here because we've seen with companies like Facebook recently, the current regulatory environment is much, much more restrictive than it's ever been in the past. And there's an incredible amount of scrutiny about how big tech companies use acquisitions, not just to 
enter new markets, but to suppress competition from upstarts in those markets. And I think they're going to focus not on necessarily things like notes or things like Apple TV and streaming, but I think they're going to continue to focus on core technologies, which is artificial intelligence, automation, and virtual and augmented reality. Linus Sebastian on Twitter. Linus, awesome. How will Apple justify the rumored x86 refresh of the Mac Pro? Will they publish some kind of guidance for how long users of such an expensive professional device will receive support? So there have been rumors about a new Intel Xeon and AMD RDNA Mac Pro for a while. And then as we got in 2021, those rumors persisted. But every month that it didn't happen, it just seemed less and less likely that it would happen, that we were getting closer and closer to the Apple Silicon version of the Mac Pro and there'd be less need. But there is a possibility that Apple just won't field something that can scale to the extent of an Intel Mac Pro still. That even a quad M1 Max Mac Pro would be more towards the mid-level of Mac Pro computers. And that for people who really want massive amounts or really need massive amounts of Xeon cores or specifically need AMD style GPUs, especially interchangeable GPUs in a modular configuration are still gonna wanna stick with that architecture at least for a few more years. But to actually answer the question, I don't think Apple will give guidance. Apple typically is happy to trade user anxiety for their own flexibility. If we base it on previous behavior during the Intel transition or after following the Intel transition, there was about three years of ongoing operating system support for the previous PowerPC Macs. Uh, and then the community is gonna have to take over the way they did with PowerPC and the way they've done with older Intel machines that Apple has classified past vintage as obsolete. And that is a terrible, terrible answer. But I do think if there is a new Mac Pro, it would absolutely be the best thing to do and the right thing to do for anyone buying it to lay out in advance what the support expectations are, what the support promise is gonna be so that they can make as informed a decision as possible before they buy it. Matty O'Donny asks, will Apple improve developers' lives by supporting Linux on Mac as MS does in 2022? And no, uh, I don't think so, but I think that's something that they will leave for the community. And if the community comes up with a good, compliant, workable solution for that, they'll just be all the happier. Dusan Illich on Twitter, why are they making heavier and heavier iPhones year after year? The only reason why I didn't purchase the 13 Pro is the massive weight any changes in that field for the next year. And I think this is one of those things that comes from Apple just continuing to hammer on thinness and thinness and a lot of their marketing, where thinness is really just a side effect of lightness, uh, especially back during the Johnny Ive era, they were huge proponents of making devices lighter and lighter because they saw that as a benefit to user experience. The lighter a device is, the easier it is for you to carry for longer periods of time. And when it gets down to something like the phone, the lighter it is, the longer you can hold it up for things like gaming sessions and reading books and watching videos without you know, it becoming really uncomfortable. But you know, there have been several times over the years where Apple's had to compromise on the lightness for features that they thought were more important at the time. For example, 3D touch and the heavier, stronger aluminum that they needed to just structurally support people pressing on the screens over and over again. But then over time, you know, over the next generation or so, they would make those lighter and lighter again. And I think that's what's happening now is that in order to support a lot of the new features and especially to provide longer battery life, Apple has had to increase the weight. Maybe as soon as next year when they switch from steel to titanium or the 5G radios get more efficient and they don't need quite so much battery capacity anymore 
or they just figure out better machine learning and artificial intelligence systems to eke out more battery life from less battery atoms, I think the weight comes down again. Tech Maniac on Twitter, thoughts on Apple making a folding phone? You know, Apple has internally their version of the Galaxy Fold 1, Galaxy Fold 2, Galaxy Fold 3, and the flips. They're just still internal. They don't, Apple doesn't think they're ready for prime time yet. And I think two things are going to have to happen before we actually see them ship. And that is they're going to have to have the technology mature to the point where they can scale it out, where they can get enough panels for a full iPhone sized run and or current foldables from companies like Samsung are going to have to grow to the point where they're an actual threat to Apple's profit share. They're going to be taking away enough of the premium market that Apple just feels like they have to address it. And then it'll be just like a year after either of those things happen that we'll see them. And Jacqueline, uh, Jacqueline Dallas, nothing but tech. Jacqueline, one of my favorite people on Twitter asks, if you were in charge of Apple's marketing strategy for this year, what would you do? Apple's marketing team, Jaws and Kyan and Tom and all of them, they are absolutely brilliant. Like some of the best marketers in the business. So the only thing that I would really want to change, and it's more for the world than for Apple, is to move away from the nostalgia-based marketing that they've been investing in for the last couple of years. And I mean, kudos to Apple for seeing that uh, that trend starting with the iPad Pro in 2018 and moving through almost the entire product line now. Because when people are scared about the future, when we're worried, we tend to want things that remind us of the past. So that's why when you see sort of retro tech, it gives you those warm and fuzzies. And Apple's been tapping into those really, really well. But when people are more optimistic, when they're more hopeful for the future, we tend to want the futuristic designs. We want the fins on the back of the cars. I don't want to see so much the iPhone 14 based on the iPhone 4 as much as I love the iPhone 4, because that would just mean that we're stuck in this darkest timeline for another couple of years. I want to see an iPhone 14 that I never imagined before, that's what I would be pushing for, for us to push forward. Last M on Twitter, any chance Apple might make a new Air 16 inches like the rumored big regular phone? And I would actually love, just totally love to see that. And there've been rumors about it, about a 16 inch MacBook Air for a long time now. And it'd be great because I think there are people who legitimately want the bigger screen, but don't want or need a Pro Mac or the other Pro Mac features in order to get it. But Apple just doesn't seem to have moved it out of the prototype stage, out of the development stage and into the production stage at all. And that might simply be because they don't think they could sell enough of them. They don't think that market is big enough yet. Or it could just be that they're waiting in, to get the regular sized air out first. So only thing we can do is wait and see and just keep telling Apple we want it. Pinecone on Twitter asks, when will Apple give its iPhone split screen multitasking? 6.7 inches of wasted space on the Max. I've wanted this for a while. We finally got picture in picture, finally. But we still don't have the sort of side-by-side -side apps, which I think on the iPhone would actually be top and bottom apps. And there are a bunch of interface and user experience considerations to figure out around that. It, it's done on Android, not always well, but it's possible on Android. And the ability to just drag and drop things between, for example, a web page and notes without having to flip back and forth between apps would be fantastic. And since Apple is going to go max on apparently a less expensive non-pro version of the iPhone, I think there's no better time to do it than this year. So just all the capacitive input device fingers crossed for WWDC 2022. Dratuna on Twitter, is there a possibility that Apple could do something like an Apple game studio where they make Apple exclusive games that take full advantage of Apple Silicon? Never say never, 
And I think that's truer about this than what I previously said, never say never, because Apple has TV Plus now, and there could absolutely be an Arcade Plus system where Apple isn't just you know funding artisanal labors of love from indie developers, but is funding, is buying up AAA games to feed into, yes, the Apple TV, but this upcoming VR headset, because if gaming is going to be a huge part of it, gaming has to be a huge part of it. Badanga Bara on YouTube. And again, if the name is wrong, please tell me. Will there be USB-C in the newer iPhones? And there's nothing to indicate that yet. No rumors, no reports to indicate Apple moving to USB-C on the plug. And I would also argue that is less important than Apple moving to USB 3.0 plus speeds on the actual cord because the the letter refers to the style of plug on the end. And that is a big debate because nerds want USB-C and USB-C is increasingly becoming the standard. But uh, hun- you know, hundreds of millions of people have lightning. And if you try to make them buy a new cable, they will cut you. So that is a larger debate. But I think it is inarguable at this point that because Apple has put ProRes on the iPhone Pro, having or expecting us to move that at USB 2.0 speeds, which is half a gigabit per second, is just ridiculous, especially when iPads are getting, like the iPad Air has five gigabits per second. The iPad Pro has up to 40 gigabits per second. That is way more appropriate for the kind of media that we're able to generate on an iPhone now. So regardless if we get USB-C or Lightning 2 or some sort of really high capacity wireless solution on the next iPhone or the one after that, Apple just has to deliver that. In fact, I'd argue they should have delivered that right alongside the high capacity storage they delivered they delivered for ProRes to begin with. Test UI test 12 on YouTube. Why doesn't Apple put macOS or give the option on the M1 iPads? You know, Apple's answer is still the same on this. macOS is not a touch-friendly interface. It has a bunch of very very small touch targets. It is not optimized for touch at all. It took Microsoft 3 to 4 years of walking through the desert to move Windows through, you know, 7, 8 to 10, where it became functionally, if not completely touch-friendly. I think if you poke around enough, you'll still not just, you'll still fall into NT at some point. But Apple just doesn't want to invest the resources in doing that with Mac OS when they have the world, one of the world's most popular touch-based interfaces with iPad OS. So it's just a feature that would cost Apple a tremendous amount for what they see as minimal gain Especially, I think all of us can agree when they have just so much work still to do on iPadOS. George Adal on Twitter again, my alpha and omega for this Q&A. What are your plans for the channel for 2022? Uh, I haven't quite finished finalizing what I'm gonna do with this channel this year yet, but I do have something new starting really soon, as soon as in right now on Nebula. And that's a new series that goes behind the scenes on how I make all of these videos because you all have been asking me for studio tours, workflows, the apps that I use all year, but that just would not work well on this channel where the vast majority of people subscribe for Apple analysis, not gear talk. So I'm gonna be putting all of that up on Nebula where I have the absolute luxury of making videos that I don't have to optimize for YouTube or the algorithm, but where I just know the nerdiest, most hardcore of you will absolutely love them. It's already where I put up extended editions of my Q&As, like this one, as well as interviews and reviews with special bonus sections and exclusives like my iPhone documentary and this new series on the studio tour, all ad-free, sponsor-free, and best of all, 
bundled in for free when you sign up with today's sponsor at curiositystream.com slash Renee Ritchie or click the link below. And right now, today, because you're watching this video, you can get Curiosity Stream for 26% off, less than 15 bucks a year, less than the price of a VIP movie ticket for the whole entire year. And that includes their thousands of amazing documentaries and series like Zenith, Advances in Space Exploration, a new series that dives into the revolution in space technology, the one that's unfolding, and the new players that are radically cutting the cost of access to space. It is the absolute best way to support educational creators directly, and frankly, the best damn deal in streaming today. For over 26% off CuriosityStream, less than 15 bucks a year, a buck and a quarter a month, and Nebula bundled in for free. Just click the button on the screen or go to curiositystream.com slash Ritchie. Clicking on that button really helps out this channel, and so does hitting up this playlist for absolutely everything Apple has coming our way in 2022. So hit up that playlist, and I'll see you in the next video.